The Leach Report Radio Network is on the air with the voice of the Wildcats, Tom Leach. This is where the Big Blue Nation comes for the latest news and views on the Cats. Interact with the show now by tweeting at Leach Report or email leachreport at gmail.com. Call us at 877-904-1080. Now, the voice of your Wildcats, Tom Leach. Good morning, everybody. Dick Gabriel sitting in for The Voice, taking a few days off over the next several days. So we are happy to chat with you. Coming up today on this edition of the Leach Report, as we always hear each week, Mike Pratt, Tom's partner on the UK Basketball Network. And, of course, we'll talk a little recruiting. We'll talk good news, bad news. We'll talk about the fact that Kentucky, even though maybe it's not getting a high-profile transfer, still still going to be okay. Uh, we'll talk about the same sort of thing with Justin Rowland of Cats Illustrated and uh, the fact, too, that Justin, his, uh, well, he's taken part in the NIL movement, if you will. Uh, Cats Illustrated will feature a football wildcat on a regular or semi-regular basis, so we'll learn more about that as well. And we'll talk to Connor O'Gara of Saturday Down South dot com about of course kentucky and sec football so uh glad to have you with us and uh we will remind you that the uh leach report comes to you from the clark's pump and stop stu- uh, pump and shop studio you can stop there and you can shop there as well uh let us get right to uh stories of the day uk related of course here on the leach report wildcat news of the day Presented or will show up, of course, on the uh, Bud Leach. Man, I'm just kicking everything this morning. Bud Light Leach Report page at TomLeachKY.com. Well, I mentioned recruiting, and according to stories that began to pop up on the interweb yesterday, including one from Ben Roberts of the Herald Leader, it looks as though Kofi Coburn will not be a Kentucky Wildcat. Uh, apparently, unless he changes his mind, he will announce his final decision on his future tomorrow, but it's looking like Illinois or Florida State. And right now it seems Illinois is the favorite, according to most of the uh, of the experts, most of the people covering the beat. Now, uh, Coach David Sisk of, uh, of Rivals told me on my show a few days ago, that all the conversations he's had with people who might know, and he said nothing, of course, was, hey, let me tell you, this is exactly what's going to happen. But David said everything he had heard was Kentucky, for the most part, or somewhere else, but not Illinois. So either people had didn't really have a good idea, or the guy's just changing his mind, you know, and look, this is a young person, and it's his future, and you know, none of that would be a surprise. Uh, but, of course, the gentleman who recruited him to Illinois, Orlando Antigua, uh, is at Kentucky now, as we all know. But according to Ben Roberts' story, Kentucky was not really as strongly in the picture as a lot of people might have thought. So that's why Ben reported today, was told yesterday, that while Antigua and Coleman did pursue him, after he put his name in the transfer portal prior to the July 1 deadline, his interest in U.K. never reached the level, quote, that many locally and nationally assumed. So 
Uh, I know if you were counting on him being here, you're disappointed. Otherwise, I, I think they're going to be okay. They've got a pretty good, solid roster. And we'll talk to Mike Pratt and Justin a little bit about that uh, coming up on today's show. Baseball news. Uh, Nick Mangione got some good news in that two of his pitchers on whom he counted quite a bit this past year, Sean Harney and Daniel Harper, are coming back next year. They turned down opportunities to sign pro contracts to play one more year. They will play as 50-year seniors and, of course, uh, add a lot of good experience. Harney, you might recall, had become a stopper for the Wildcats and one of the best stoppers they've had in a while. He racked up six saves uh, early in the season, and next thing you know, he's in the starting rotation because of injury. So he was 3-2 and two and became the only pitcher in school history to have six saves and three wins. Uh, he's the guy who transferred in from UMass, 58 strikeouts, walked 17, and was absolutely uh, vital to the Wildcats when Mason Hazelwood went down with an injury. Harper led the team in appearances at 23 Four and one out of the bullpen, 31 innings, 30 strikeouts. This is the guy, it seemed like whenever Kentucky absolutely had to have an out, brought him in. I mean, like bases loaded in one out, things like that. And almost always he came through. He had come in off of off-season hip surgery, which uh, they told us uh, would allow him to uh, pitch better. And it did, absolutely. So uh, he is right now ninth in U.K. school history with 74 career appearances. The record, 104, held by Lauren Frazier back in the early 90s. Harper also has 11 career wins and a couple of saves. So good news for Nick Mingione and his staff. All right, coming up, Mike Pratt will join us here. Dick Gabriel in for Tom Leach on this edition of the Leach Report. Find out more about the Voice of the Cats and get great coverage of the Big Blue at TomLeachKY.com. Welcome back. Dick Gabriel in for the Voice of the Wildcats, and we welcome in, as Tom always does, his broadcast partner from the U.K. Basketball Network, Coach Mike Pratt. Good morning, Coach. How are things this morning? Gabe, things are going good. It looks like it's going to be a pretty day. I uh, got back from visiting my grandchildren huh. for the last five or six days in Carolina, and uh, it's uh, it's all good, man. It's all good. Good deal. Um, and I know you've uh, you lived in Carolina. Is it North or South Carolina? North, Charlotte, okay. uh, the Greater Charlotte area. Yep. They all they all live in Charlotte. Yeah, okay. I got. You're old. Uh, your old oh, four of them down there. Wow, that's fantastic! Uh, so yeah, we put your beautiful. we put your right back to work talking basketball, and uh, from all accounts, Mike, it looks like uh, Kofi Coburn will not play for Kentucky. I guess, Mike, the only surprise to me is from what I've read, he was never really. Um, I won't say a lock, as some people like to say, but uh, so we, we had no reason to be as confident as we thought. Uh, is that a surprise to you that, uh, from some accounts, UK was never really that strong of a factor in his mind? Well, you know how Big Blue Nation is, man. They, uh, you know, you know how they are, Gabe. You've been around a long time with yes, all sir. this stuff as far as recruiting, and they they love to get all pumped up, and then they it almost seems like they love to get their heart broken. <laughs> 
But, you know, uh, the, the, the common thread was the assistant coaches, O and Chin, and, and I get that. But if, when you look at it from what I've seen and what I can remember about Shweebway, the big fella from West Virginia, mm-hmm. he and Coburn played very much alike, okay? And uh, if I was Coburn, I would have to look at that and say, you know, wait a minute, they've got some other guys too, Lance Ware, you got uh, Toppin, you got the new kid, Collins, which I know nothing about because we haven't seen him. Right. So I'm going, gee whiz, you know, and kids nowadays, they, they, uh, they're they all into those minutes, man. They're all into those minutes. And a guy like uh, Kofi has got to be looking after trying the NBA um visiting with those folks, and those folks told him what they think of his potential in the NBA, probably offered many thoughts on how to improve that, what to work on. So if I'm him, I sit back and I look at it and say, well, this is what the NBA people say that I need to do. Okay, how am I going, how am I going to get that done? And if he's a sharp kid and he's got good advice, listens to his coaches, that you know he'll find a place where he can – he can do those things, and I always thought that he was a kid, Gabe, that should go back to to his uh, original school, which was Illinois. I mean, look, he was an all-Big Ten second-team performer, and I know people left that team. I, I, I get that, okay? But, um, boy, you know, you're familiar with the system. People are familiar with you. I mean, that, that's got to be valued at something. Mike, you mentioned minutes, and you're absolutely right. Minutes are everything, and I'm wondering if in this day and age, and they've, they've always been big. I mean, you know, you, you know, no one's going to sign someplace where there are multiple players at the same spot. That goes back to, to well before you, when you were playing. But I'm wondering, is it more pronounced in this day and age, uh, which, of course, has kids going pro, uh, after one one or two years, I mean, are, are minutes even more precious now? I got to think they are. Yeah, sure they are because all of a sudden, um, kids' goal is to play professional basketball. Back in the day, or twenty years ago, you know that was like, okay, you're really reaching for the stars. Now yeah. all these kids think that they can play, so um, they want to go to a platform where they can be uh, showcased as well as possible. And also taught and coached up. So, and look, let's be honest. There's there's two sets of guys: guys that want to be coached up and want to improve their stock, and are willing to commit to that. And then there's guys that just want minutes. And I'm already good enough. You know, I'm already good enough. I right. just I just need more minutes and more touches to show them how good I am. So, there's two classes. And as a recruiter. Um, for college, I think you've got, and you are aware, these guys are aware of those type of guys and how they fit into their program. Yep. You know, it, it always reminds me of, and you were a college, you worked at the college and pro level and played at the college and pro level, but I never have envied those of you who have made and are making a living in college basketball when recruiting is based on the whims of a teenager. I mean, did you find yourself pulling your hair out at some point? Yeah, Gabe, you cut out on me. You were talking about Zooming. Um, I think you were talking about calling the games. and it no, no, was, uh, no, no. What I was talking about, Mike, was uh, that you being a veteran of the college coaching business, I never envied you guys whose livelihoods 
way hung in the balance on the whims of teenagers. That's got to be uh, crazy. Yeah, it is. And you you got to <laughs> love the game. Yeah, it is. I mean, there's no question. You have to love the game, and you have to love uh, teaching young folks and interaction with young people. You got to love all that because that recruiting will make you nuts. You'll stay up at night. You'll uh, get up early. You're always trying to think of things that can help you recruit. I mean, it's all uh, all consuming, Gabe. It really yeah. is. Yeah. That and and you know we talk a lot about hey uh, they didn't get this kid but they're going to be okay. Kentucky's got a rundown, uh, uh, you know, uh, of players. Mike, who I think, uh, are, are sitting on a potentially special season. So fans might mourn the fact that Kofi Coburn's not coming, but they're going to be fine, right? Yeah, I mean, you have to look at it. The kid's talented. I, I get it. But um, if his goals aren't the same as the team's, then, you know, you're really not missing anything, per se. Um, you know, I mean, if the pieces don't fit, we saw that last year. The pieces don't fit, they don't fit. You can't force a piece, you know, that uh, that square peg into a round hole. Yep. I mean, uh, and that's the hardest thing about recruiting, I think, is really judging um, how how – the young fellows, young ladies fit into what your culture is and what you have on the team. And some Calipari's been lucky. He's made it work. They've made good decisions on kids. And uh, he, but but you know you you can't be perfect in this in this regard. And a lot of people have not not been successful with that consistently. Mike, thank you so much. Have a grand day, and we will talk to you soon. I hope. Okay, buddy. Take care of yourself. Get back in that garage, would you? I am indeed in the garage today. Thank you. (laughs) All right. Mike Pratt brought to you, as always, by Boone's Butcher Shop in Bardstown. We're back with Justin Rowland in just a minute here on the Leach Report. Get to a radio, you can listen to us live on the web at talkradio1080.com. Now, back to the show. The voice of the Wildcats, Tom Leach. And now let us welcome in, thanks to uh, the fact that he is brought to us by Shuffle Bean Coffee, Mr. Justin Rowland, Cats Illustrated. How are you this morning, sir? I'm doing well, Dick. How are you? We're good. Thank you so much. And we were just talking to Mike Pratt, and I don't know if you could hear us about the fact that it appears Kofi will not be a Kentucky Wildcat. How surprised should we be by this? Or are you still holding out? I don't know if hope's the right word, but is it still a possibility that tomorrow he will say Kentucky? I mean, they're on the table, but it seems like it's over and done with. And I am surprised. I mean, I think... I think there was good reason to believe that there, there was a real possibility of this happening, and it kind of stinks, I guess, for fans because it needlessly got got their hopes up in in the long run. But you know, the important thing to remember is how did you feel about this team even before Kofi was a big topic of conversation? If you felt good about him, like I think a lot of people already did, then this doesn't need to be too much of a downer or a wet blanket on the season. I think. Yeah, that was my next question. They're going to be okay, right? I think so, yeah. Well, you know, one of the questions floating around was, like, who would you rather have, Kofi or, or Jalen? And I, I said Kofi because it's like you take a, an All-American lock to the bank any time. But it, that wasn't the biggest upgrade. Like, uh, it's easy to imagine Oscar having a really good season at center. 
and they still have other parts of the team that are going to be really strong. I do think he would have made a lot better. It would have been like a top two or three team nationally lock, but they can still work their way up there. So they need a little less certainty, but they still got a lot of really good pieces. Yeah, there's no question about that. Uh, this was kind of found money, really, if you ask me, the, the talk of a transfer. So, uh, uh, And, you know, and I got to wondering, too, about the fact, Justin, that uh, we kept hearing that a West Virginia – you know, it, things got a little crowded in the paint for Oscar, and that might be one of the reasons he's in Lexington now. Could have been, yeah. That was some, that was reportedly something that that prompted the move. I think he played twenty three minutes one year, and then nineteen minutes another year. I thought they could find a way to make it work, just because even Kofi only played twenty seven minutes a game at Illinois, and I, th- I think I said on social media. Would it really be so bad if one of them played 25 minutes and the other played 20 minutes? And not <laughs> neither one of them would even have to be on the court a whole lot, and the practice time would help both of them going against each other off the court. Mm-hmm. But I understand. You know, even b- before Kentucky being out kind of came up, you, you had to wonder how does Oscar feel about this because he really put his time in, and he thought the situation was going to be one thing. And, you know, the locker room dynamic is, is a very important part of what coaches have to deal with. Yeah, I was talking to, to Mike Pratt about this as well. In, in this day and age of kids leaving early with that eye on the pros, of course, uh, minutes are even more precious now to everybody, aren't they? That's right. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, they're not, they weren't going to play both of those guys together. I mean, maybe a very little bit. But, you know, of, of all the criticisms that we've heard or things that need to change, I think Calipari has tackled most of them. Shooting, you know, getting more experience, getting a point guard, all these things that people talked about. Um, but and I, I don't think he's going to want to put two centers on the court at the same time. I just don't think he would have done that. No, and even though you know everybody's saying, well, now you got to go to the NBA style, the three and D. John Calipari, if he has a, a good big man, you're going to see that guy get touches, aren't you? Sure, sure. And you know, I, I have kind of a sneaking suspicion that like. It, it's not going to be the wholesale trend that everybody is doing right. this one thing that I think people have assumed that analytics have, are going to make everybody do the same thing. It's just not the case, you know? Yeah. It kind of like with Kentucky football. What, you know, people have asked, when are they going to modernize the offense? Well, by being the kind of ground-and-pound team in recent years, that's kind of going against the grain. Yep. It's kind of helped them out against other teams, I think. That's right. Now, Justin Rowland. Al- you're always looking for inefficiencies, and I think that, that having that big on the court when a bunch yeah. of other teams don't could, could be a good thing. Justin Rowland coming to us on the DrinkSword.com hotline. More in a minute on the Leach Report. It's the Leach Report on Talk Radio 1080. Tweet us at Leach Report or email leachreport at gmail.com. Welcome back to the Leach Report. Dick Gabriel sitting in for the voice of the Wildcats, and we are chatting with Justin Rowland, the publisher of of catsillustrated.com, part of the Rivals Network, and uh, he is brought to us each week by Shuffle Bean Coffee. Justin, I was telling our listeners that uh, you and your outfit have jumped into the NIL world as it uh, relates to uh, a Kentucky football player, one in particular. Could you tell everybody about that who hasn't heard it already? Yeah, no, I appreciate you mentioning that. Yeah, I, as soon as this happened, you know, we got to brainstorming because we think it's a good thing, and we like we like the idea of supporting it and, and having the right match. And so we reached out to DeAndre Square, who, you know, he's going to be a four-year contributor, third-year starter. 
he was a team captain as a junior. People will tell you he's got maybe the highest football IQ on the team and a lot of experience playing with first-round picks like Josh Allen and Jamin Davis. And so we're like, how, how could we partner with this guy to give people a unique and kind of kind of historic look inside the program as, as a media outlet? And um, yeah, he's going to be answering the fans' questions from our website throughout the season, and he's going to be previewing games and breaking down some of the stuff that's happened in the previous week. And so from camp through the season, we'll have a 15-minute show with him. There's going to be Zoom calls with all, all of that stuff. And, um, you know, it, he's not going to be sharing secrets that I think Stoops is going to be, you know, furious about. <laughs> but, but it will be kind of a fun look from someone who's, who's inside the program as he goes through maybe his last year at UK. So clearly something beyond what, you know, everybody would get on a normal media day. Yeah, yeah, we'll, we'll be talking about experience on the road, you know, what, what road trips are like with the team, what it's like playing in this stadium, what the crowd was like this week, what, it, what it's like to have fans back, how, how it's like watching, you know, younger players in the program, who's standing out among the freshmen, what, what's, what's it like competing against Liam Cohen's unit in practice, how are the quarterbacks looking, and anything he can give us like that, you know, I think people would would love to see and you know he's going to be a great representative because he's he's very highly thought of i know you've been on this beat for a while but doesn't it seem like he just got there and now he is the veteran and he is one of the real leaders on this defense i remember matt house at one of the summer camps that square was at when we didn't know where he was going to go he's coaching him up and kind of holding him up as an example to a few hundred other people there. This is how you close on the ball. Watch DeAndre. And I thought he was going to be like a safety linebacker hybrid, but he's totally transformed himself in, in Kentucky's strength and conditioning program. And, you know, becoming more vocal has been a thing, and he's certainly become one of the faces and, and leaders of the program. I think he has really benefited clearly from the coaching and the leadership of Brad White, don't you? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, I think... They have a really good thing going with White and John Sumrall coaching those linebackers. I think those two have a really good relationship, yep. and it goes from recruiting to coaching and collaborating on game plans. They're very involved in that, and uh, yeah, yeah, those are those are two really not just not just good coaches, but two really good guys. Who else should Kentucky fans watch for, in your opinion, on the defensive side of the football this year? I think we, we, uh, we'll be watching Carrington Valentine, a cornerback who, who kind of got his feet wet last season. The competition at corner is wide open there, and I think Valentine has a lot of the traits that you look for. Um, they're looking for a third starting defensive lineman alongside Josh Paschal and Billy McCall. And I think Derek Terry wrote about that the other day over Cat's Paws, and, and uh, Anwar Stewart was, was mentioning Octavius Oxendine and Isaiah Gibson and Abulia Body Fitzgerald as guys that can step up. Said none of those guys bring everything that Phil Hoskins brought, but they all brought a little bit. I think is what Derek wrote, um, and I thought that was a good point. And then true freshman Trevin Wallace. I've known about this guy for for a year and a half. He was committed to Boston College, and he is a fantastic prospect at the college level. And I, I don't often say an 18-year-old is going to be like a first or a second round pick, but this guy's like 220 pounds without an ounce of bad body weight, and he's a freak athlete, and he's a sponge. So I think as a true freshman, Trevin Wallace could – he's the kind of player you see at Alabama or Georgia, and oh, you don't man. see that often as a freshman at Kentucky. You know, by, by coincidence, I met him yesterday. They had uh, uh, the, the radio network crew over for – 
a little outing with the football team. Just you know, when on Wednesdays when they get together and eat, and we were sta- we had just gotten there, and we were standing there, and suddenly there's this good sized young man with a big smile on his face, shaking everybody's hands. And he said, Trevor yeah. Wallace, nice to meet you, to every one of us. And uh, I didn't catch his name, and I leaned in, and I kind of put my hand on his shoulder. I said, I'm sorry, what's your name again? And, Justin, I put my hand on his shoulder, and it was like a rock. I mean, <laughs> you're right. There is, If there's any fat on that kid, I don't know where he's hiding it. And, look at uh, and you talk about profile. confidence The last to walk time up. that he tweeted anything on social media, I want to say, was about a year and a half ago. He's just not somebody who's driven by fame and popularity. He, he really gets the process of, of becoming better and, and focusing on your craft. And I think the intangibles are why people, coupled with the athleticism, are so excited. Yeah, you know, and, and like I said, it was, that was kind of a mature thing to do as well, to walk up. And they, he, he knew not necessarily who we were by name, but he knew why we were there. So, you know, immediately we're like, well, I guess we'll be calling your name a few times as it comes up. I'll tell you who else came over and said hello was uh, Jordan Wright. And uh-huh. that guy has, you know, over the years, I mean, I remember him from media day the first year, and I thought, well, this kid's got some, some room to grow, and he is he's taking advantage of the weight room. Yes, he needs to have a really good season. Because, you know, what's going to happen with J.J. Weaver coming back from the ACL tear, we don't know. But I think they're going to be cautious with him because Weaver is a potential first-round pick down the road, and they don't want to mess him up. Well, if you're cautious with him, that means Jordan Wright has to have a great season. You know, Boogie Watson is gone. Um, Katie McDaniel is there, but he's got to prove it. And and they, they struggled with a pass rush last year. And for, for them to improve in that area like they need to, Jordan Wright really needs to have his best season yet. Yeah. I don't think he's a guy that's going to have a dozen sacks, but he's got to get after it. I think he will have his best season yet, but, but he really is somebody that they need to step up. Yeah, I agree. But uh, he has shown he's got a nose for the end zone, which is always, always important. Justin, always a pleasure chatting with you. Thank you, sir. Have a wonderful day. Thanks. You as well. Have a good one. Justin Rowland, publisher of Cats Illustrated, part of the Rivals Network, and we're back in just a minute. It is the Leach Report coming to you from the Clark's Pump and Shop Studio. This is the Leach Report on Talk Radio 1080. You can follow Tom on Twitter. It's at TomLeachKY. Welcome back to the Leach Report. Dick Gabriel in for the voice of the Wildcats. And joining us now on the DrinkSword.com hotline, Connor O'Gara of SaturdayDownSouth.com. And, Connor, I've never had the pleasure of meeting you, but I've got to ask you, do you have any idea who named this website? Because it conjures the absolute best images, if anybody wants to talk, college football, Saturday Down South immediately throws you into college football. I'm going to give my bosses, Kevin Duffy and John Cooper, who are co-founders of, of our site, I'm going to give them credit for that. They did that long before <laughs> I ever got there and had anything to do with the company. Um, but you're exactly right. And immediately when I first was proposed the idea of coming to work there, I had that same exact thought of, wow, that, that just kind of paints the picture right there. And, you know, we pride ourselves on being – 24-7, 365 days a year talking college football. So, I mean, I, I think it is 
truly a unique thing to be able to have and something we've been doing for coming on a, a decade now. Can't go wrong talking college football down south. So let us do just that. And uh, you recently wrote a piece about wide receivers who uh, the, the prospects of whom excite you this coming year. And you had a Kentucky name up there pretty highly, didn't you? I'm a big Wandell Robinson fan. And I spent two and a half years out in Nebraska and got to cover those home games there at the end of the Bo Pelini era. So I didn't get to see him up close and personal, Wandell Robinson, that is. But I follow the, the program closely. And I understand the dynamic that he's going to bring to Kentucky. And I wrote when he transferred back to his home state that I think he could have the biggest impact of any non-quarterback transfer in college football. I think he's that good. And it, you know, really kind of opened me up more to that idea after getting to talk with him as well. I had him on the Saturday Down South podcast a couple months ago. And, you know, he said one of the things that sold him to come back to, to the state of Kentucky and to play for the Wildcats was seeing what Liam Cohen showed him in film and saying, you're going to be the Cooper Cup in this offense. And you're going to have that type of role. And we're not going to use you in the same sort of way that Scott Frost did. I know that Wandell was frustrated with kind of being used as more of like a tailback. And that's not really what he had signed up for in college. And I can't wait to see him used in all these creative different sets. And I think that his explosiveness and what he can do to be able to stick his foot in the dirt and make people miss in the open field is going to be special. And it's only a matter of time before people in the SEC wake up and realize how good this kid really is. Kentucky has had such a tough time of late. You've almost got to go back to 2016 when Jeff Bidette was playing at Kentucky and, of course, finished his career at Oklahoma, as you know. But, uh, you know, that's the last time you can remember Kentucky really threatening with the deep ball. And people have a tendency to blame the O.C., the quarterback, but you got to have a guy who can get behind defenders. And now Wandale is going to be trying to, to, to beat SEC defenders. Can I assume you believe he's got enough enough speed to get that done? There's no doubt about it. I mean, you can make a case that he was Nebraska's best player of the last two seasons. Sure. I mean, he is that good. That top-end speed is there. He hasn't typically been used in that type of role. Usually when he's been targeted, it's been a little bit more of the intermediate passing range, and that could have a lot to do with the personnel and the guys who are getting him the ball. But, you know, you look at what they're going to try and do this year, and depending on who ends up being the starting quarterback in Kentucky, they want that balance. This isn't just going to be, you know, the air raid days of old, and it's not going to be the Eddie Grand type offense. It's hopefully going to establish that balance because Liam Cohen knows you need to be able to, to keep teams honest in this league, and you become much better and much more powerful if you can do those things. And having a guy who can beat you in a variety of ways, whether that's stretching the field, getting end arounds, setting up screens, whatever it is, Wandell kind of is that guy. And I think he's going to be able to plug a lot of holes and he's going to provide something different that Kentucky fans haven't really seen. And even Lynn Bowden, as great as he was as a receiver, as a playmaker, I think Wandell is going to be able to do some different things. And part of that is because of the offense that he's going to be allowed to play in. You mentioned uh, the covering Nebraska. And now of course you're covering football down South. Um, can you make any comparisons between the two? Because we've always heard the legendary stats about the, the, the size of the crowd at a Nebraska game suddenly makes that stadium bigger than all but two cities in the state of Nebraska. I mean, 
what you know can you compare and contrast the two it's a unique experience and i tell a lot of people in the sec y'all would love nebraska people you really would because they are so loyal and passionate and in a state that doesn't have professional sports in a state that has one division one school nebraska is it and you kind of have to go there and experience it for yourself to understand why it is what it is and why that sellout streak dates back to the 1960s, despite the fact that obviously they've fallen on hard times. But it is a special place. And Wandell, you know, himself had nothing bad to say about it and said, you know, the fans and the entire experience there was what sold them on coming out. And it was what made it kind of hard to go. And I, I think that that's just such a thing that we, we assume in the SEC is going to be there because it really is. Even South Carolina can get 80,000 fans for a program that's winning two games. I mean, it is unique down here, but Nebraska would fit in perfectly with the SEC in terms of culture, in terms of the passion that they have. And, you know, thinking that their team deserves to be one of the best in college football when you experience success like they had in the 20th century. It's not difficult to understand why, but a very special place that I always hold near and dear to my heart. I've got to think that's obviously the case because, again, Wandale commits to Kentucky and then Nebraska is able to turn him. And you don't do that by bragging about, you know, what we did back in the 70s with Johnny Rogers. I mean, you got to show kids today, here's what you're going to be seeing and doing and what Saturday is going to be like for you. And clearly they did that, so there's still a lot to that brand of football, isn't there? I think there is. And I think the Scott Frost aspect of that was big and kind of what he was able to sell in terms of the high-powered offenses, some of the receivers that had been able to play for him at UCF. I understand why a kid like Wandell would, would want to go there, and I don't think he regrets any of that time at all. I mean, look at it. Like, he got a lot of usage in his first two years there where – if you're coming into a power five program, chances are you're probably not getting that type of run in your first two years. And he got a lot of experience. There's no doubt about it. I don't know if it would have been the same exact case at Kentucky. And, you know, I I think changing the offense is really what sold him. I think he's a guy who really understood his value. And he said that was one of the things that changed with going through this recruiting process after two years in college, as opposed to doing it as a senior is that you've seen what's out there. You know what people are actually going to want to run, and you now have that 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 base to be able to say, this is what I'm good at, and this is how I feel like I should be used. And he really took that seriously in this process, and it was different than than selling him, uh, you know, about playing in front of this big stadium and in front of all this history, and you know, it, it was more than that. And he wants some. He wants to be able to play at the next level, and he wanted to go to a place where he felt his skill set was going to be maximized, and I think he really found that at Kentucky. Talking to Connor O'Gara of Saturday Down South, Connor, just a couple of minutes left, but I can tell you that uh, I went to the last uh, scrimmage, full scrimmage, and I had the understanding, I had to promise I wouldn't report everything I saw on my show and that kind of thing. But I will tell you, and I'm echoing what Mark Stoops said, they will throw the ball down the field. I don't know who the quarterback's going to be. We all have our opinions, but whoever is back there, Connor, based on what I saw in that scrimmage, they're going to throw the ball down the field. So I think fans, whether it's Wandale or uh, or Ali or whoever, they're not going to be disappointed by that. You know what I mean? Yeah, and you know, I, I think that this this offense is going to have some tough times in in this season. It's really rare to go through what I think is an offensive overhaul in year one and and to be able to make that that transition a seamless one 
We saw last year, and I don't think Kentucky's going to struggle to this extent, but we got a reminder of that last year with Mike Leach trying to put the air raid in yep. at Mississippi State. And you realize, you know, after they get off to that great start against LSU, you realize three, four weeks into this, oh, man, they, they do not have the personnel to be able to execute the system. If you don't have an offensive line that can project against a three-man pass rush, it doesn't really do you a whole lot of good to throw the ball 50 times a game. And I don't think Kentucky is going to run into that exact same level of struggle, but I do think that there are going to be moments in which they realize we really don't have four guys that we can trust to throw the ball to, and this isn't exactly the Los Angeles Rams 2.0 here, and I think that there are going to be some tough moments, but at the same time, you like what they have with Chris Rodriguez, a guy who, in my opinion, is worthy of starting off as a first-team All-SEC running back. The efficiency and the ability to to get those yards after first contact is what's going to allow them to establish that balance. And I'm excited. I'm really looking forward to seeing what this this team can do because they held on to this offense for for a while with Eddie Grant and that current system with the big blue wall. And I get it. But now it, it made sense for them to be able to adapt. And I think they've got some of the playmakers to be able to, to make that work in year one. Connor O'Gara, look for his stuff at SaturdayDownSouth.com. Connor, thank you so much. Looking forward to meeting you sometime. Absolutely. Really appreciate it. Have a great day. And we are back to wrap up this edition of the Leach Report. That's going to do it for this edition of the Leach Report. We thank you for joining us. Justin Rowland, Mike Pratt, Connor O'Gara. One final note for you involving a U.K. athlete, Garrett Wood of the U.K. golf team, won the TPC Rivers Bend Qualifier and has qualified for the U.S. Amateur, had a final round 68, earned that spot in the national event coming up August 9th through the 15th at Oakmont Country Club in Oakmont, Pennsylvania. So congrats to Garrett Wood of the U.K. golf team. That'll do it. Thanks for joining us. Have a great day. For Shannon the Dude, Dick Gabriel. So long, everybody. Thanks for listening to The Leach Report. Make sure you check out the podcast page at TomLeachKY.com whenever you miss a show. And be sure to follow The Leach Report Facebook page. If you have a question for Tom, 